This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. Did you know that there are 23 squares and streets in Israel that have been named after the Moroccan king? Dr. Driss Biyaha is a professor at the School of Humanities, Moulay Ismail University in Morocco, and an expert on political Islam. He joins me now to tell me about Jewish-Moroccan relations. Dr. Briaha, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Good morning there and good morning everywhere. I guess 10 minutes or 15 minutes is uh, too short to cover a hefty heritage and talk about rich history, culture and uh, religion. I think that the jury, to give it a doom, an account for of jury, Moroccan jury, is really so interesting because very few people know about the existence of Jewry Morocco. I think I'm going to start with the concept of normalization. I mean, the Abraham Accord. I think for Morocco, it's return to the nature, to the status quo, because Morocco has always been in good terms with the state, uh, Israeli state. Now, if I trace back the timeline of the existence of Jewry Morocco, it's so during the first century before Jesus Christ, the Roman conquest of Judah, the fall, the Jews scattered throughout the empire, and there was an intermixing between of Jewish and Amazigh tribes. When I say Amazigh are called in the literature, Western literature, as Berber. And we the Amazigh don't like the concept of Berber because Berber is a concept that was coined during the Greek civilization, where whatever outside the civilization, outside the, the Greek uh, empire is considered as Berber. That means a savage. So the Amazigh like to call themselves Amazighen, which is the plural of Amazigh, which means free people. So the Amazigh have adopted different religions, different languages, different cultures. So there was um, uh, a, a strong intermixing of Jew, Jewish and um, Amazigh tribes. This leads to a strong Jewish presence in Morocco. And I think when we talk about the Moroccan Jewish cultural heritage, we talk, uh, we talk about heritage that encompasses the Hebrew civilization, the Amazigh civilization, the Arab civilization, and the Castilian civilization. And the Jew in Morocco are called Safardim. Safardim comes up from the word Safarat, which is a term in Hebrew to refer to Spain. So the Safardims are Jews of the Iberic Peninsula. But after the 19, I think during the 19th century, this term was generalized to encompass all the Jews in the East and Africa. So Moroccan Jews played a great role in, in, in several realms, like the economic, the financial, the political. So hence we find three cultural uh, and social trends among the Jew in Morocco. There are the Arabophones, the Amazighphones, and the Aspanophones, so they speak. But uh, the Hebrew remains the dominant official language for preaching and traditional schooling. Now, I have to go back to trace and talk about the presence of Jew, as I mentioned before. So, during, in 1492, this expulsion of the Jews from Spain and Portugal, it was a mass migration to Morocco. During the Arab conquest, the Arabs changed the Jews' uh, status to Dihmi because they used to pay taxes because they are Ahl Kitab. Now, in 1244, the rise of the Merinid. Merinid were the Amazigh dynasty that was the third Amazigh dynasty that came from the east. And they attribute, they improved the Jews' fortune. And the Jew, this is the beginning of what we call Mallah. The Jew were in charge of that because when they came from Spain, 
they were scholars, they were people versed in economy, in philosophy. So they were kind of people who uh, uh, contributed into the Marinids' uh, prosperity and defense. They were honored with uh, government positions and respect. And I think this is echoed also during the the era of our uh, uh, king, uh, Mohammed VI, and also during Hassan II, by the way, uh, as I'm, you mentioned, that Hassan is uh, one of the sultans that paved the road for peace talk between Egypt and and uh, Israel with the Camp David. And then this is the end of war state between Egypt and, uh, and Israel. So thanks to Morocco, that's why there are about 23 squares named after his name in Israel. So all sultans considered Jews as a Moroccan entity. Jews were and are part of the nation's makeup. Sultans... Throughout history, Moroccan, recorded Moroccan history, protect the lives and creeds and assets and social harmony of all the citizens. All citizens in Morocco remain under the agency of his majesty, be they Jews or Muslims. Now, if we go back to, to see the, the Moroccan diaspora, now there are about 14 million, about 15 million Jews all over the world. Now, there is 1.5 Moroccan Jew in the world, which is a diaspora. And one million in Israel, especially in Azduj, is in the east of Israel. It's a Moroccan. So the more than 10% of Moroccan, of Jews are Moroccan. So, but after the, uh, 18, 1948, there was a large exodus to Israel. In this respect, I mean, it was about two, in Morocco, there were about 270,000 Jews in Morocco. Up to 1960, 1967, they became 60,000. And in this respect, the king of Morocco, Hassan II, once said that when a Jew quits Morocco, Morocco loses a citizen, but gain, but gains an ambassador. When we spoke yesterday, just before the interview, yeah. do you expect that with the relationships going to become even stronger? I think, uh, as I mentioned, the, the ties between Moroccans, uh, be they Jew. I would not say the Jew and the Muslim. I would say Moroccans. As I told you before, a long time ago, they used to live in next to each other, maybe in the same building. And when the Muslim, Moroccan Muslim, wanted to go to the steam bath, she or go do some, uh, go errand, do errands, she left her kids maybe babies at the age of four months to the, her neighbor Jew. At that time when they cry, the, 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 the kids start to cry, he needs food. So the Jew, Moroccan Jew, Jew used to feed the, the babies. You see how we are cousins. And we call it we are cousins. Ben Ami, you know, we, we call it Ben Ami. And I think the Abraham Accord just came just to make things clear. I mean, Morocco has been working with, with, with Israel. And I want to mention that between 1994 and 2000, there was a Moroccan office of communication exchange in Israel and in Rabat. And um, the monarch in Morocco, they, they see that the, the future of Morocco, Morocco has never ne- ne- neglected or overlooked his uh, compatriot, his citizens, be they Jew or Muslims. So they were Moroccans. And I, uh, through, um, the Jew have been always honored in institutions uh, and also individuals. And by the way, i tell you something that in Morocco, we have a couple of uh, family codes. We have Moroccan Muslim family code, and we have Moroccan Jewish family code in uh, in, uh, in the courts, which is very, very, um, is a singular example in all other Arab, Arab world. Now, also, I will tell you something very important. The Moroccan rabbis are the most fundamentalist. They receive rabbi from Europe to elucidate fundamentals 
And I think with Abraham Accord now, last month, uh, not in August, we, I received a delegation coming here to create a kind of startups youth leadership. And now we are creating startups between you young entrepreneurs. Uh, there are also partnership uh, in academia, signing memos with Haifa University, with Tel Aviv University. So, and once the, the connection between Morocco, the flight started, huge, an avalanche of tourists came to Morocco to come to, and by the way, Moroccan Jew, they come to Haidulas. Haidulas are visits to shrine to rabbis to venerate their, their, um, their souls. So they always connected to Morocco. Even they come to Morocco to get married in synagogues and places, slot in, in Morocco. So I think Morocco, they came and they are always in constant opportunities to come to Morocco to celebrate, to go back. And I think if you go to Ashdod, is a city in Israel, you will see that Moroccan food, Moroccan music, and even the pictures of kings of Morocco. And the only Jew that want to go back to their the home country are the Moroccan Jew. <laughs> so if you could have, you could, yeah, that's, and there was a collaboration throughout history between the Sephardim and the, um, and the Ashkenazi. Those Moroccan Jew who couldn't go to Jerusalem and Israel for pilgrimage, they used to send money to help that. Also, there was a kind of contribution between them and this Ashkenazi in Poland. In So the Moroccan Jews were in constant move and tricking for scholarship, commerce, philosophy, among others. I'm sorry, it's such a rich and fascinating history. And, and and obviously, 15 minutes isn't enough. But while you're talking, you know, we live in the tip of Africa down here in South Africa. We Jews here think, oh, we're the biggest, commu- you know, Jewish community in Africa. But we forget right up top, up north there in Africa is another completely, um, you know, community of Jews. That And it would be amazing, actually, for South African Jews um, Morocco, Israel, to kind of collaborate. I don't know how. I mean, you're talking about the collaboration between Morocco and Israel. But he has a community on the tip of Africa that I think love to know more about our brothers and sisters up north and, and develop further relationships. It's been absolutely fascinating. Okay, thanks a million. Thank you so much for joining me. That was Dr. Driss Biyaha, Professor at the School of Humanities, Malay Ismail University, Meknes in Morocco, and an expert on political Islam.